listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn on your device or turn in your copy of God's Word to 1 John 1 and 1. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's page 1082, 1082, if you want to read along in the translation I will be reading from. Today we are beginning a new series in 1 John. We're going to stay here for nine weeks all the way up to Christmas, and we're going to dive into this book, this letter of the, God, of the disciple John, and, and all that it says to us to encourage us, for those of us who have lost hope to maybe some of us who are new believers, and to those of us who need encouragement in our walk. This letter is both edifying and encouraging. It is warning. It it is all these things that we need to hear as believers. And as we begin, there's kind of just a couple of administrative things that I want to let you know about. Today, we're going to begin available to you out in the lobby at the Next Steps desk, parents, Uh, a family worship guide that goes along with the series. You can pick it up. Every day is just a little bit of the verse or passage that you could read. Uh, It is just like one one or two questions. There's some recommendations for singing that you can find on YouTube and sing together and worship together. On the back, uh, who, uh, who we can pray for each week, a picture of our partners that you can pray for, so you put a face with a name. These are available this morning as you leave. Pick one up, and it goes along with our series on 1 John. Uh, so we had told you and promised that these would be available, and thankful for Mark uh, and Carrie and getting this together. Also, uh, at the bottom of your note-taking page, we always uh, lately have been starting a books or resources that you might uh, be blessed by to read as you're also reading uh, the scripture. Live in the Bible, visit other books, right? So live in the Bible, visit other books, but we want to make sure these resources are available for you. So I have lost my little, oh no, here it is. Uh, There's a couple of things that are out there. First of all, something that I'd highly recommend uh, this series is called, Am I Really a Christian? by Mike McKinley. This really takes the words of 1 John and lays them out and asks questions. So if you're doubting your faith, uh, if you're thinking and wanting to share the gospel of someone who maybe thinks they're a Christian but have not been truly converted, uh, if you're struggling and walking through this, I highly recommend this book. It is very good. Uh, this is available on Amazon for a whopping $11.50, but for today, $7, $7 for you today. So uh, these will be available outside if you would want that. Also, there is a a book uh, that is a classic. We like to always include one of the classic books that everybody should be reading. 
Uh, this is a book by John Stott on basic Christianity. Uh, who is Jesus? Who he was? Uh, how do we know? How do we live according to Christianity and, and to what we believe? And, and so this is a classic book that I highly recommend everybody read. It's eight bucks on Amazon, $4 today, $4 uh, if you go and grab your copy today. So we highly recommend you get that and read that. And then one, this is kind of a challenging read. So if you like challenging uh, reading, uh, this is called Devoted to God. This is called Blueprints for Sanctification. It's by Sinclair Ferguson. It is uh, challenging us how to live and grow in Christ. This book is going to talk to us about coming to come in fellowship with Christ and then living for Christ and growing in Christ. And so this book is available this morning for $7. It's only a 74 cent uh, uh, price reduction this morning, but uh, $7 available outside, devoted to God. These are available uh, this morning, and uh, so we hope that you would pick one up and add that to your reading list as we go through this series the next nine weeks. Let's go to God's Word as He will instruct us this morning. Uh, we're going to look at what it means to be in Christ, with Christ, and have an assured a fellowship of joy. Let me read beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1 of 1 John. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed, and we see it, and we testify and declare it to you, the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and we have heard, we also declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you, so that our joy may be complete. Let us pray. God, thank you so much this morning that we are know and available the fellowship of joy that comes through your son, Jesus. God, this morning, we all need you. We all need to hear from you. I need you as I explain this text. Each person here, every child and man and woman, needs to hear through the Holy Spirit what your word says to them. And so God, I pray that you would lead us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Monty Roberts is a horse trainer that came famous with the movie, The Horse Whisperer. It's an old movie, you might not remember it, but he was interviewed. His, the life of the, of the movie was based on his life and he was interviewed on 60 Minutes how he would train wild Mustangs. He would talk about how he would get the Mustang and isolate them in, in their own corral. And he would, he would enter the corral doing everything he could to stay away from it, to inch further and further away. Wherever it moved in the corral, if it moved there, he would slowly move over here. If it moved over here, he would slowly move the opposite. He would keep his eyes away. He would avert his eyes, no matter if it stomped, if it raised up, if it uh, neighed or whinnied, whatever it did, if it charged a little bit, he would keep his eyes and he would stay away. And eventually, over time, 
Because he was keeping himself away, the horse would get closer and closer and closer and closer until he was finally able to put a saddle on it and to tame it. He said the key is this, that animals need to be with others so much they would rather befriend the enemy than be alone. And you know, it is very similar to us as humans. Many of us would rather befriend the enemy of our souls than to be alone. We crave relationship and intimacy. And unfortunately, many people don't know where to go to get that fulfilled. They go in many dangerous places. They go to bad relationships where people, friends even, treat them poorly. They go maybe even to bars or using drugs or alcohol to find that intimacy level. They look to images on the internet, hoping to find that intimacy and connection they have wanted. But there is a better way, a better place for intimacy, a a better relationship that that fills the void, a a better hope and, and encouragement and life that is waiting for us if we turn to fellowship in Christ. It is here that we see and understand that fellowship and joy that comes with a relationship with Jesus. As John begins this letter, he is writing to the churches in Asia Minor. Now the church has been ravaged by false teachers. People have turned away, have left fellowship. They've left fellowship with Christ. They've left fellowship with the church. And in some, in many ways, the Christians left behind are confused What does fellowship with Christ mean? And what about this broken fellowship with others? Well, the basic message that John has is that he says to the churches there and to us this morning is that the message that they have received in fellowship and eternal life revealed to them in Christ is available to them that the readers might share fellowship with Christ and with him, and with other believers. This morning, maybe there's someone here that needs fellowship with Christ. Maybe there's someone here that needs to be reminded of the joy of knowing and having fellowship with Christ. You're experiencing pain. You're experiencing loss. You're, you're experiencing dis- disconnectedness. You feel that, that, that fellowship with Christ and even other believers are far away. Or maybe you need to be reminded this morning, all of us need to be reminded of the joy that comes in fellowship with Jesus. In our passage, there is life found in fellowship with Christ. And we're going to look at four gifts found in fellowship with Christ. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Assurance in life is found in the incarnation of Christ. Assurance in life is found in the incarnation of Christ. Verse 1, we read, what is from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
John begins words that seem very familiar to John. If you've read that John is the disciple, the beloved disciple, maybe you've read his gospel, the gospel of John, and you read this first verse and something should click in our minds. Boy, I've read something like this before. What is from the beginning? John, in both his gospel and here in his letter, remind us of the eternal nature and power of Jesus, who is God. This reminds us that Jesus is no prophet, he's no teacher, he's no God who has just earned his place with God as some false teachers has claimed. No, he is God. He is eternal. He is that which is from the beginning. Let us remind ourselves, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, what he says there. This magnum opus of who God and eternally who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, we are reminded that the assurance of our faith, the assurance of our life in Christ, the assurance of our fellowship in Christ is based on not some passing fancy, but the eternalness of God. Jesus is God. But, but John goes even further when he starts to claim as a witness that they have witnessed the eternal God. They said, what we have heard What we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, and what we have touched with our hands concerning this word of life. John goes further to say, look, not only was Jesus God, but he is reliably man. He is someone who came in history, who came in life. We heard him, we saw him, and we touched him. There was a moment that the disciples would come and they would testify to people about who Jesus was and and to have assurance of what they were saying, what Christianity, what the gospel says. They would say, hey, yes, we heard Jesus. We heard every word of the Sermon of the Mount. We've heard every teaching that Jesus did. And then maybe one of the apostles would speak up would say, hey, hey, I saw him. I saw him feed 5,000 twice. I saw, and then another disciple would speak up and say, I saw him heal a paralytic man. But then, as witnesses do, they want to give even more evidence. They said, not only did we see him and hear him, but we touched him. James, the son of Alphaeus, might say, He washed my feet. And Matthew and Thaddeus would say, me too, me too. And Peter would speak up and he would say, and I touched Jesus. I was on the waves of the water and I was about to go down and he reached and grabbed me and touched me and pulled me up. John would say, and yeah, I was the beloved disciple. The Lord's Supper I leaned my head against his chest and listened to him talk to us. Then maybe a witness would say, well, what do you have to say, Thomas? 
Sure, doubting Thomas has something that's negative that I could use in my theory that Jesus didn't come and he wasn't God and he wasn't man. Doubting Thomas would say, oh no, we all touched him. And I got to touch his side and his hands after his resurrection. We've all seen him. We've all touched him. Friends, you might doubt your faith. You might hear the echoes of this culture and this world saying and taunting and saying to you, this is not real. Or in your moment of your circumstances saying, this can't be real. Where is my faith? You can have assurance because who Jesus is, who he is now, and who he is forever. You can have assurance of your faith because it's not in a fantasy, but in a God-man who actually lives and came for us. There's no reason to doubt your faith or doubt your salvation. Be assured that your faith is in the one who stepped out of heaven and came to earth for you. There is life and assurance in life in Christ Jesus who came. Secondly, we have eternal life is proclaimed through the gospel of Christ. Eternal life is proclaimed through the gospel of Christ. We see that he's talked concerning the word of life. That life is revealed in verse 2, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare it to you. The eternal life that was with the Father has also been revealed to us. Now, John says here the word of life. Who is the word of life? We know it is Jesus himself, but there is also more to this. It is a message. It is something to be declared. How do we know? Because we see as the verbs go in verse 2 that we testify and we declare it. This word for declare is angelion, a, a message put forth. And so what is the message? The message that is found in the scriptures is the good news that we get the word gospel, evangelion, the good news of who Jesus is and the way to eternal life. Jesus himself also declared this before his death and resurrection. In Luke chapter 24, he says, he also said to them, This is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. Today, hear this message and believe. John says the message that they received, the message that came to them, that Jesus came and that he died for sins, that he raised to life, and that if we believe that we might be saved eternally, it is this message, it is this message that we must take, believe, and respond to. Maybe today you need to respond in faith to Christ. Maybe you need to trust in him. You see, what do we know about Jesus coming? Jesus came and took the penalty for us. How do we get eternal life that that John speaks of? It is because Jesus took the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And that belief in him gives us eternal life. 
Friends, if you want salvation, if you want eternal life, you must come through fellowship to Jesus. We must hide ourselves in him. You know, it seems as though every week there is a new wildfire that takes place in our country. Over in California, not too many years ago, in Montana and other places, we hear the devastating nature of wildfires. We see hundreds of thousands of acres burned. But I didn't know that those were the smaller ones of the world. You know, over in Australia, at one time, there was 13 million acres burned and 15 million acres burned. Imagine the brush fire, the bush fire that that would come and imagine the panic if you had family, if you had uh, property, if you had a house, if you had your children and this brush fire, this bush fire was coming towards you uncontrollably. Well, how do they do that? Well, maybe you know, maybe you've read, maybe you've seen on TV, the way they control the fires is burning land in front of them, more fire. That if you burn the land in front of the the bushfire, the wildfire, then once the wildfire that is out of control hits the burn land, there's nothing left to burn. There's nothing left to be as fuel. So where is the safest place in the middle of a bushfire? Well, it's actually in the middle of already burnt land, already fired land. Friends, for us, the safest place for us, for our eternal being and for our eternal life is already in the burnt area of Jesus. Jesus took the wrath of God for us. He has already paid the penalty for our sins. And when we find ourselves in him, the wrath of God is no longer against us. There is no longer condemnation. There is only forgiveness for us when we accept and believe in Jesus. Do you find your heart Do you find your life? Do you find yourself in Christ? This morning, friend, I pray and pray for you that eternal life comes through the gospel of Christ, that you would repent and believe. For us, we are safe in him. Isn't it great to know that with fellowship with Christ comes eternal life? Thirdly, we read here that belonging in life is found in fellowship with Christ. Belonging in life is found in fellowship with Christ. Verse three, what we have seen, what we have heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Next, John reminds us that he wants you to have fellowship. How did we begin? People are longing for intimacy, fellowship. How do we get it? Well, we know koinonia is the Greek used and translated word fellowship. It, this word is not something that we normally use. That we use in churches regularly for gathering around the Uh, the Southern Baptist national bird, fried chicken. We think that 
that fellowship means eating. Fellowship means doing something together. But fellowship is deeper than that. Fellowship is understanding and knowing that we are in Christ. There is a deep-seated relationship, spiritual relationship with someone else in Christ that we can only have with a believer. John says, we, the apostles, we want to have abiding fellowship, koinonia, with you. And friends, we know if we've experienced fellowship with other believers that we need it. We have to have it. We understand that fellowship does not happen because uh, in it we understand just casually it is, it is going deep in a relationship with someone. That's why we push life groups so hard because we know we need fellowship. We need a relationship with someone else that will push us, drive us, put us more in our faith in Christ and encourage us in our faith. The reality is Jesus himself prayed for us to have fellowship with one another. In his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus says this, I pray not only for these, these Christians, but also for those who believe in me through their word. So not just the apostles, not just the disciples, but those who have heard and read what they are passing down. He's praying for us. May they all be as one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they be also in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Isn't it good to see this? That Jesus cared and wants fellowship with us? That in our salvation, it drives us both together and to him? that it drives us closer to relationship with him and in relationship with him, but it also unifies us. The good news that John is telling us here is that fellowship or belonging in life answers the intimacy question or the alone question or the relationship question for all of us that we know Firstly, because of our sin, we are outside relationship with God. We're outside fellowship with God. And how we were created to be in relationship with him can only be answered, be only restored, be only reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. And this good news to us is that through Christ, we are brought near to God. So now, when we are struggling, when we are alone, we know we can cry out to the God who hung the moon and he can help us. We know that as we are struggling that we can cast all our cares on him. Our relationship with God is restored, but it goes further that God has now given us a family to belong to, that we can be drawn into relationship with one another. You know, if I could, if I see a uh, a Yankee fan or if I see an Eagles fan around town, I can run up to them and I can talk to them about the game or the team 
or what's happened or what is happening. And we could talk all about sports, but something happens at the end of that relationship. We go our separate ways. That's not true relationship. You see, relationship or fellowship doesn't come because you like the same things. Fellowship happens because the same person is in each of you. That Jesus is in you and Jesus is in me and that fellowship is deepened. This relationship is created from another world. The relationship is otherworldly because I'm created for the good of the other person. How does your relationships affect, reflect this heavenly pattern? How do you pour into others in the same way that fellowship has come to you in Christ? Through forgiveness, through acceptance, through love, through selflessness. John Stott writes, we cannot be content with an evangelism which does not lead to the drawing of converts into the church, nor with a church life whose principle of cohesion is a superficial social camaraderie instead of a spiritual fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Friends, be joyful today. Because in this world, in Christ, you will never be alone. You will never be alone in the next. If you feel alone in this world, that is the lie of the deceiver Satan trying to trick you to make you believe that you're alone. Because in God, you are never alone. You have the fullness of Christ in you. The Spirit of God in you. God himself in you. And you are never alone. But you also have the joy of having relationship with other believers. A fellowship that is created through relationship with God. A fellowship that, that the proclamation of the gospel creates. The immediate purpose of the proclamation is the establishment of fellowship with God and other believers. And the ultimate purpose comes in our next point. Number four, a joyful life is obtained through, through a knowing Christ. A joyful life is obtained through knowing Christ. John writes, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Friends, this joy abides in the life of a believer. And John says here that these things, so that our joy so the apostles' joy, but also, likewise, your joy and my joy are complete in one another. The Greek word kara for joy is here, the result of believers hearing the message of Christ and believing in faith and being fellowship with God sprouts joy in our lives. John wrote this in his gospel as well. In John chapter 15, 11, he says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What does this mean? Well, maybe I'll illustrate. Our joy as a parent, or my joy as a parent, is brought into full or fuller or complete status when my children obey the Lord. 
I'm full of joy when I obey with the Lord. I'm fulfilled and satisfied. But my joy is fuller when my children obey the Lord. And when John speaks of my little children throughout this letter, he is saying to you and to me and to the church and to the Christians there, follow me in fellowship with Christ. I want my joy to be your joy. I want my joy to be complete that you have listened and and proclaimed and believed and you have brought into fellowship. I want this joy. I want it to be contagious. I want it to overflow into your life. This is a little foreboding in some ways and looking foreshadowing because just like sunshine before a thundercloud, we know what John is about to announce to that church and to those Christians. John speaks to joy, but he's also speaking to a church and to Christians on the verge of losing their ethical, theological, and social bearings, or have already some of them lost them to false prophets, antichrists, and deceivers. So the question for us this morning is, do you run to Christ for joy? Psalm 1611, you reveal the path of life of me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Friends, for us to have a life of joy, we need to have fellowship with God. If you want to have a fellowship of joy, you need to be in Christ. You need to trust in him. You need to believe. But in that, you need to allow him to work to bring joy that comes in knowing him and knowing one another. The conscious possession of eternal life, the daily enrichment of personal fellowship with a living God, the deepening awareness of oneness with all of God's people everywhere. Could there be any other recipe for joy? This joy is quite different from human happiness that goes from one fleeting moment to the other. This is an abiding joy that is received and, and being taken care of by our love for Christ. And in Christ, no one can take this away. We can rest in joy in our life and there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate us from his love. Not sin, not struggle, not death, nothing. We are assured in life and assured to life and joy because of him. So here in the prologue of John's first epistle, we learn that namely there is unique fellowship found between the Father and the Son through Jesus Christ. And it has manifested himself in this event, the incarnation where Christ has come and paid the penalty for our sins. A particular point in history where forgiveness of sins and the establishment of the church happened. And in this, fellowship with God has made new. So today, when someone becomes a Christian, he or she enters into the one ageless universal fellowship, a fellowship from the Godhead coursing through our veins into the life of other believers. That in this fellowship with God, we are grown into fellowship with each other. Friends, that is a fellowship worth celebrating. 
That is a fellowship worth holding on to. It's a fellowship worth protecting. It's a fellowship that comes from the joyful good news of the gospel. This is truly a fellowship of joy. This morning, the question comes to you, have you come into faith and life with Christ? Have you entered the fellowship in belief and repentance? Or have you, as a believer, lost the joy because you have something, allowed something to get in the fellowship, a way of the fellowship of Christ with you or in God? The world has distracted you. Your life is distracted. You've lost in see, seeing the joy that comes in fellowship with God. What is it that you need to do to regain the joy in fellowship with God again today? May we be reminded of the gift and the joy and the life that comes in fellowship with him. Let us pray. God, we thank you this morning for this reminder of joy in Christ. And God, we pray that you would speak through your word to those who may not know you. And today would be the day of their salvation. And God, we pray this morning there's someone here that is struggling in their faith, struggling in loneliness, struggling in sorrow, struggling in life, and they're, they're a Christian, they've lost sight of this joy. I pray, God, that they would be filled with it by you, your love, your guidance, your spirit, and with the support of other people. God, I pray that they would see more of the desire to be with other believers and the joy that comes with it. God, we pray that as we begin this series, that we are reminded of the unique joy that comes in knowing you, the eternal life that it brings, but the life that we must share together. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins but he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him.